0: Hello, and welcome to the SLP Happy Hour podcast. Up today, we are talking about life during pandemic times and some research indicating how maybe encountering stress and working through it can eventually lead to more long-term happiness, a concept called post-traumatic growth. We're digging into that
1: topic today and more, so let's get to the show. helpful, compassionate, and actionable. The SLP Happy Hour podcast will help you find more time and ease in your busy SLP life. I'm Sarah and I work in private practice. I'm Sari. I work in the school setting.
0: Being an SLP isn't about hustle, overwork, and overwhelm, but about finding calm boundaries and taking more time to take care of
1: yourself when life gets rough. Using research-based happiness habits and what's really worked for us, we share ideas so that you can find out what works for you in order to find more calm, creativity, and happiness. So let's slow down, take our time, and practice leaving things undone. So let's move forward with less hustle and more slowness, gentleness, and heart. It's time for an SLP happy hour. Welcome back. First up, we wanted to share some updates here, mainly in the realm of what's bringing us joy and what's detracting from our joy these days. So up today, we've got a show recommendation for you and a bit more on where we're feeling stress creeping in. So let's get to it. All right. So we're going to share what's up and what's down. For me, what's up or what's what I'm enjoying is Nadia Bakes on Netflix. I love the show. It's if you like the British Bake Off type shows, you're going to love this one, even if you don't like to cook. Um, what's detracting from my happiness these days is we're, well, we want to do a big project at home to turn in to turn our home office into a room for our child. So, um, Originally, our idea was to change our guest bedroom into the kid bedroom. But ultimately, for a lot of reasons, the our home office would be better, we're realizing. So that said, I have so much junk in there. And I don't know, I think to some degree, SLPs keep a lot of junk. Because, you know, you might get that one client that needs, you know. Um, but also, there's just a lot of papers. And um, thinking about getting rid of the stuff stresses me out. It's a huge project. And I've procrastinated. I've stressed, but I've done nothing. To make any progress on it at all, so that's <laughs> taking away from my happiness. How about you, Siri? Um Okay, so I totally
0: relate to uh, having a lot of stuff around and just getting stressed about it to the point where you can't even function to address it. So um, I one hundred percent understand, but I also love a good purge and cleaning and organizing is absolutely something that makes me feel really good and happy inside. So I hope once you do get started, that it'll be a fun process for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what's down over here? Um, well, uh, you know, this this time of year is always just hectic. Um, it's kind of getting close to the end of the school year. Historically, it brings a lot of changes, especially In my experience as an SLP, so far every year in the spring, there has been some major job change discussions that have come my way, and I get kind of anxious around this time of year wondering what's in store, and this year is no exception, so that's something that I'm dealing with and struggling with right now, but uh, something that's bringing me up is getting food pictures sent to me from my uh, younger brother who is currently living in Japan. He and his wife are teaching English over there, and about every week, a couple times a week, he sends me a picture of some of the delicious food that they're eating. And he sent me a picture of a crepe cake the other day that just looked absolutely delicious. And um, he also sent us a picture of some katsu chicken and it inspired my husband to make some of that at home, and it turned out really good. So uh, that has been something we've been looking forward to and have been inspired by to give a go at home, so I've
1: been enjoying that. So what is what is katsu chicken? Because I love to cook, so I want to hear more. <laughs> it's, it's like a
0: breaded uh, chicken, a breaded fried chicken, and uh, there's a katsu sauce that Dan bought, and he any put on it as well when we eat we eat
1: it over rice and it's it's absolutely delicious, really good. Okay. Um, I will have to get that recipe and I I just, you know, cooking is one of those things that just you know, chopping a vegetable or, you know, like sautéing something in the pan or putting something in the oven, I find just so relaxing. <laughs> but, um, that sounds fabulous. So switching, uh, switching from the kitchen to the speech room. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, we have a lazy lesson, an easy lesson for you all that focuses on evaluations.
0: Right. Yeah. So the majority of my work right now is actually doing evaluations. And so instead of a lazy lesson per se, I wanted to share a couple of easy evaluation tips for getting through standardized tests with three to five-year-olds. So first, one of the first things that I would recommend is having a token response task ready to go to help to motivate these kiddos to keep trying but something that won't be too distracting. Things that I like to use are like Play-Doh, potato head toys. Um, I recently discovered these things. They're called Snapbots, and they're like little robots that you—they can earn the arm and they snap it into place, or they earn the robot head and they snap it into place. Just one short little token, and and uh, it's fun for the kid, but it's not super distracting, so they don't. Uh, spend too much time away from the test that you really only have a limited time to get through. So that is my number one tip. It's nice to have a few of those on hand. That way, if one thing putters out or the kiddo's not interested in it, you've got a backup that you can grab next. And uh, so that again is my first tip. Another token response you can have are snacks. I don't usually use snacks unless I have to, but things like goldfish, if parents are okay and there's no allergies, are another good thing to have on hand as well. Okay, so second, uh, start with the hardest testing task first. That way you're not administering it when the child is fatigued. If I have a language test like the Preschool Language Skills 5th Edition, for example, Um, and the autism specialist needs to do um, some play-based assessments afterwards, I'm going to start first. I'm going to do that language testing first, and then they can do the play-based portion afterwards because we have tried it the reverse where they do the play-based in the beginning, and I follow up with those language tests, and it is so exhausting for the kiddo to get through and really hard to get them to pay attention. So I would recommend starting with your most difficult task First, get through it and then have the lighter ones when the child is tired or more tired. And you'll find that your results are probably more accurate as well. (laughs) Third, if you need to build rapport, don't bring out your best toy. We have this animal hospital toy. It has, uh, it's like a little building with little doors and the kids have keys that they unlock each door and there's an animal inside behind the door. It's so much fun. And I have started sessions with it, but it is sometimes very tricky to transition out of playing with the animal hospital or with a really good toy into a structured test because it's like you just brought out your biggest, best thing and then you're taking it away And trying to get them to do a much more boring and less interesting task. And of course, the kiddo is not going to want to do it. So I would recommend not bringing out your biggest and best toy in the very beginning. If you need a task to build rapport, select something that has a clear end, like a puzzle. Something that once they've put all the pieces uh, on the puzzle, it's over. You can move it and go on to the next task. Something like that. Or one of those... um, Shape sorting cubes, or once you've sorted all the shapes, it's over. You can move it and go to the next task. It just makes the transition a lot easier as well. Do you have any, I know you do a lot of evaluations with this age group. Do you have any other tips, Sarah?
1: Um, You know, my my equivalent of your animal hospital is my train set. Mm-hmm. Once I bring out the train set, if I take it away, uh the child hates me and <laughs> then they're not going to do <laughs> they're not going to do testing for me. But um yeah, I really like especially your tip about um doing the more structured tasks first, like, you know, the the standardized, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. and then doing like this maybe the speech sample and play-based second. I think that's so right. Um and, you know, It's, and it's a struggle. So like, there's no, it's going to feel hard. And like, I'm sweating when I'm doing an (laughs) eval for a preschooler, because they're so wiggly. Uh, But you are right that you've got to build that rapport. And it's, it's just not an easy task. Mm -hmm. Right. And I've certainly had some evaluation sessions that just didn't go as
0: planned during the scheduled time. And I have had to schedule follow-up sessions multiple times, but it is really nice to have some tricks up your sleeve to try and get them done during that first scheduled evaluation session. And, um, you know, as we think of things that don't always go as planned, Sarah has a lesson gone
1: wrong to share with us today. Okay, so... (laughs) This is not so much a lesson gone wrong as like an act of God that happened (laughs) (laughs) was a real, it felt like a fail. So I have a student preschooler at my clinic who loves to squish things. And this learner was walking into the clinic from the outside and saw something just outside the clinic front door off to the side and ran towards it saying, squish, squish. And I thought it was a pine cone. So I was like, okay, sure, go for it. I'll wait here. Meanwhile, this little one, who is faster than me and parent put together, gets to the object, stops and looks at us. Then as the adults, the parent and I both see it at the same time. And we have this like dawn of recognition in our eyes. And it's a dead bird, (laughs) deader than a doornail with its eyes open and all. And this little learner looks at us with huge eyes and says, squish, like it's a question. And you'd better bet that no two adults in the history of speech language pathology have ever acted faster. We walked this little one inside. And the parent, and I was so grateful for this, offered to dispose of the dead body while while, um, the child and I went in to wash hands and start the session. (laughs) And of course, you'd better bet that as soon as the session was over, this little learner ran to the same spot to check. And thankfully, the bird was gone. (laughs) I am so thankful for the parent who did that gross task of taking care of the bird body. And that the parent and I were able to work as a team to make sure no squishing occurred at that time. So, thankfully, this story, which is a bit sad and disgusting, um, it has a happy enough ending and it absolutely could have been worse. Squish that's my story. <laughs> that was such a quick response from you and that parent. What a what an
0: unexpected thing to have happened! Yeah, oh my goodness. Um, I remember coming upon dead birds as a kid and they were fascinating to look at because. You know, you never get to look close up at their beautiful colors, and it is, I mean, of course, it always is a little sad, but they are fascinating to look at, so I can see why that kiddo was interested in it. And uh, thinking of beautiful things that come out of sad things, we wanted to talk today about a concept called post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic growth refers to the positive effects that follow traumatic events such as a global pandemic, which right now we have more than a half million deaths resulting from the COVID-19 pandemic. It has been over a year that people have been living in quarantine, away from their family and friends, and this experience has been and still is traumatic. So the conversation we're going to have today is about post-traumatic growth. And it's going to revolve around a recent study conducted by a research team from the University of Bath. The survey results of 385 caregivers for children between the ages of 6 and 16 were analyzed regarding their experiences during this COVID-19 pandemic. This study was originally published in the British Journal of Psychiatry and reviewed in an article in Science Daily, which we will link up to in the show notes. And if you need a break from hearing about all the hardships that we have been through brought on by this pandemic, this study has some good news for you. The survey results indicated that the majority of caregivers, 88%, experienced positive post-traumatic growth that directly resulted from being forced to slow down and simplify their life. These positive effects were felt in four main categories, which I'll outline. The first area was in family relationships. 48% 48% said they're feeling closer to their family and have a deeper understanding of one another. The second area of growth was feeling a greater appreciation for life. 22% said that they have a greater sense that time is precious and are reevaluating their personal beliefs and values. The third area was spiritual growth. said they are experiencing an increase in exploring existential ideas and establishing a greater sense of community, also recognizing inequities and building a closer community. And the fourth and final area was discovering and embracing new opportunities. 11% said whether through new work experiences from needing to work out of their homes or finding a completely new interest or hobby during this time to explore, this was an area where they experienced growth. So, you know, there is no getting around. This pandemic has been hard. It has brought with it loss and struggle, controversy, and changes that have been very challenging across the board. But I guess this study is a little bit of a spark of light. This research points out that those struggles are not necessarily the whole picture and that there is a little bit of light in the dark. Personally, I can relate to experiencing post-traumatic growth in all four of these areas. What about you, Sarah?
1: Yeah, that family piece is so true, but for me, uh, I don't know how much I've grown uh family wise. So Sarah, your family lives nearby. Um my family lives hours away so I would need to travel to see them and I've really only seen them once or twice some people I haven't seen at all. And when I have seen them it's distance outdoors with masks. So that has been hard. I haven't seen my grandmother in more than a year. I've seen my mom once or twice socially distance outside with masks. So I don't know that my family relationships are growing and it does make me sad that I'll never get back this time with them, especially my mom and my grandmother, because they're older. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to say that I've been doing great and I've been doing regular phone calls and Zoom chats with people in my family, but I haven't. Uh, I've been really struggling this year with my job and my mental health, and sometimes it feels really hard to reach out. So I do stay in touch when I can, but there's so much going on. It is something I struggle with. So I think there's a very real piece there that, especially with relatives who are over 65, you know, we've missed out on our already limited time with the older generation, and we'll never ever get that back. So what are we gonna do about it? Thankfully here in Oregon, healthcare workers and the elderly are immunized, and we look forward to hopefully in May when everyone can get the coronavirus vaccine. So what have I learned and what's my post-traumatic growth? For me, you know, I miss my family. Uh, I have not stayed in great touch with them, but I do value that community and connection probably now more than ever. And, you know, overall, this year has really sucked. It's been hard for me and I can't sugarcoat it. And, you know, I've struggled and people around me have struggled. So that's been hard to see. But as I reflect on these difficult periods and um, life experiences, I do think it's made me more empathetic and thoughtful. And so that I've, you know, that's post-traumatic growth right there. So um, in those four areas, again, one, family relationships, I would say I'm not closer to my family, but I do value family time even more. And that's going to be a huge priority and focus for me um, once everyone has the vaccine and we can travel to see family. Uh, So, you know, maybe I've experienced some growth in this area, to feeling a greater appreciation for life. I think I do feel a greater appreciation for my health because obviously this is a scary health pandemic. I did cry tears of joy and gratitude when I got the coronavirus vaccine, and I'm really grateful even more for my own health. And I have so much appreciation for healthcare workers. Not that I didn't before, but just so much more through this experience. Uh, The third area, spiritual, I think it's more uh, letting go of things I can't control. That's something that's always been hard for me, and this year especially, but there were so many things I couldn't control that um, I just had to let go more than ever. And then for discovering new opportunities, I do think that that's an area where I've had some growth this year Um, as my school's job started to feel more and more stressful I upped my self-care. It wasn't enough. And uh, finally, I just made a big decision to go full-time in my own clinic starting in June. And that wasn't in my long-term plan, but I think that realizing life is short and I want to feel better in my life, I want to sleep better at night, I want to reduce my stress, um, and finally making a big change was probably impacted by the pandemic. So it has resulted in me being a little more open-minded and creative and seeing new opportunities and seizing them.
0: Yeah, I I can relate to a lot of what you talked about too. And I I do feel like I have, in a way, experienced growth in all four of these areas as well. Um, And for me, actually, I do think family is probably the biggest area. Um, But like you said, most of my family lives nearby. And while there are some family members that I haven't been able to see... We have gotten a little creative (laughs) with the ways that we've stayed uh, connected. And uh, I do feel like, you know, I had a baby during this pandemic and uh, the way my parents and uh, my siblings have helped support us during this time um, has really made our bond stronger. And I do feel in a sense that we're more connected through this. So I've been grateful for that. Um, the second area with a new appreciation for life, I have experienced this as well. And also I've become a little more cautious and careful about protecting the life that I have, which I suppose can be a good and a bad thing, but I feel like I am taking less risks. I'm setting more boundaries, which is an area of big growth for me because historically it's something that I struggle with. Um, but due to the growth that I've experienced, I have felt more empowered to set these boundaries. In the third area, uh, spiritual growth, I do feel that I've grown through this experience, but not just due to the pandemic. There were a lot of big events over the past year for me personally, which have brought me closer to my faith. It isn't something we talk a whole lot about on the podcast, but I will say that I've, I am praying even more these days, and um, I do have a heightened sense of the burden that I feel I carry due to the blessings that my family has experienced, um, and you know this pandemic has also heightened my awareness of the disparity of needs and resources within our community, within our country, and within our world, and in the fourth area, discovering new opportunities so while there has been nothing as big as changing a job for me, I have adjusted to the changes that this pandemic has brought and kind of enjoy taking on uh, the new challenges for things like figuring out how to do virtual speech therapy at home and how to stay connected with family and friends and how to maintain my mental health by finding new things to try and to do to keep me happy and healthy through this time. So I have, I would say this is another area that I've experienced growth um, during this pandemic in in kind of unexpected ways.
1: Mm -hmm. And as things feel tumultuous and difficult, We do want to make sure to just take a moment to see the good. Because when things are difficult, it's hard to see the good things that are happening simultaneously. And, you know, everything feels and is difficult and heavy right now. But once in a while, moments of beauty pop up. So we hope this segment, where we share a few good things in our lives right now, brings a smile to your face. So three good things for me
0: right now is, number one, uh, the daffodils are coming up. When we first moved into our house, my sister-in-law gave us a bunch of bulbs as a gift. And every year, you know, with bulbs, I kind of forget about them. And then they come up in the spring and it's just this bright pop of sunshine. And it's almost a pleasant little surprise every year. And the daffodils come up first and they're just my, my happy flower. They make me smile every time I see them. So those are coming up right now. And that's a little spot of joy. Number two is the train that goes by where I live. When we first moved into this house, it was something I was really apprehensive about. Uh, I thought the train would annoy us uh, hearing it go by all the time, but I've actually found that I really enjoy it. The sound of the train going by, the train whistle are really fun, and not to mention it is adorable to see my son react to the train horn and he, uh, sprints to the window to watch it go by. It's just the, and he waves at it. It's just the cutest thing. And the third thing that is bringing me joy is virtual hobby classes. Um, so just before we had to go into quarantine, when I was still pregnant, uh, the last public outing that my husband and I attended was a local chocolate festival that they have every year in the, area where Sarah lives actually in Ashland. And they had a lot of fun tastings and classes. And this year they uh, came up with a way to hold the festival virtually. They were offering classes and sending home uh, like little home baking kits. And it was a really neat way for them to still do the chocolate festival without holding a big convention event where a whole bunch of crowded people would be in one room. And I really appreciate the way that uh, the community has come up with ways to still hold some of these things. So that has been another bright spot of joy. Mm
1: -hmm. Chocolate is always a good thing. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, let's see. Um, another food related one, uh, for me would be homemade pizza. We've kind of perfected our process. We use garden vegetables from our garden on top. It's one of my favorite dinners. We make it with a cast iron pan and that's a whole long process that we've perfected over time. So our homemade pizzas are pretty awesome and I've been enjoying them. Uh, another thing is Crafting kits. So I don't feel like a good crafter. I feel like I mess things up. I have really low confidence when it comes to crafts. But I do appreciate that there are boxes out there where you can get all the supplies and video directions. And um, I've done a stencil project so far that turned out okay. And like a paper, like a wet paper painting situation that I accidentally tore when I was trying to hang it. So (laughs) 50, I'm at 50%. Um, (laughs) So that's my crafting. And then uh, the third is a weekly non-negotiable phone call with a friend. I have a friend who makes sure that we talk on the phone once a week. And um, even when I want to put it off, really makes sure that I do it. And it's been nice just at a time when it's hard to keep in touch with people to have a friend who's like, nope, we're going to do it (laughs) once (laughs) a week. Doesn't have to be today, but we're going to do it. Um, So I'm grateful for that. So that was today's episode. And just... For a recap, we talked about post-traumatic growth during the pandemic and the four areas in which people might be experiencing that post-traumatic growth. Family relationships, feeling a greater appreciation for life, spiritual growth, and discovering and embracing new opportunities. Sari also shared a lazy lesson, or rather a lesson helper for therapy evaluations, which is those token-type systems, including coins or magnets. And I'm definitely going to get those robots you were talking about, Sorry, What are are those called again? Snapbots. Okay, I'm getting those. And I shared a lesson gone wrong that involved a dead animal. (laughs) Yikes. (laughs) And as always, if you want links to anything we discussed today, go to slphappyhour.com and click on the show notes tab. This episode is sponsored by uh, the Present Tense Verbs Coloring Pages Unit, in the SLP Happy Hour store at TeachersPayTeachers.com in this 50 page packet. Your students will learn 45 present tense verbs. You can practice at the word level or in phrases while coloring. And I know that this is some of my students' absolute favorite activity. So it also gives Busy Hands something to do as you take turns in groups, which is another plus. So whether you're in-person coloring the pages or using the annotate feature on your telepractice platform or screenshotting and sending pages home for homework, Your students will learn to use a variety of present tense verbs with this coloring packet and have fun along the way. If your caseload is like mine, you've got quite a few students working on speaking in phrases or using a variety of verbs. So this packet has been such a fun and easy no prep lesson. I wanted to make sure you knew about it. So again, check the show notes or go to TeachersPayTeachers.com and search for the SLP Happy Hour store to find the present tense, verbs, coloring sheets, and activities. And you can find the direct link in the show notes. We are recording in southern Oregon. The weather report is sunny, and we got a 70-degree day yesterday. Hooray! And this episode is recorded on the land of the Takelma and Cow Creek Mm -hmm. tribes. If you'd like
0: lesson ideas and access to freebies that go with some of our episodes, Visit www.slphappyhour.com newsletter, and we won't flood your inbox, but we will send you helpful lesson ideas and freebies. You can also find us on Instagram as SLPHappyHour, or check out the show notes or our blog on the website. Please consider rating and reviewing the podcast wherever you are listening. It helps us out a lot. So that's today's show. We hope you enjoyed listening in just as much as we enjoyed recording it. We hope that this episode has been a little slice of an SLP happy hour for you. Thank you for listening. Until next time.